Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. This content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained on here constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Draper Gorenholm or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments whatsoever. Hey everyone, it is me. We are here. Uh, we Joseph is here too. Say hi, Joseph. Hey, what's up? Boom, boom, boom. We're recording. Good morning, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. I am recording this on the computer now. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Boom. All right. It says it's recording. Boom. 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 I am apparently recording. The entire bottle control. They're all exactly the same. Crypto art. And then what it really is, is an NFT. Wow. Eddie wants to slap the bag. So this is the next best thing. DeFi is going to be a bubble. It's provably scarce. With Mad Dog. Crypto, gold, and silver. Transparent substance. Take my money and start a war with it. Without further ado. Cheers to you, brother. Get shit done. Because the system has to collapse before that. Cheers, I feel much better now. Cheers. (laughs) Wow, that was heavy. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, guys? Um, Welcome to Blockchain and Booze number 122. Um, Before we jump in, if you're watching this on one of the streams, and I know there's been a few episodes saga of migrating to the new platform. It's all working now, but of course the text went out with the uh, with the old link. So uh, go to meet.blockchainbooze.io right now if you want to hang with the community. Um, it's all working now. It's pretty awesome. It's our own system, so you could chat in there with with whoever's online and do a video chat or whatever after we're done. If you want to hang with the community, and uh, you'll be able to ask us questions live if you want. So go in there and uh, ask things in the chat or uh, just come hang. Um, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, Joe and John from Lunar Crush are back. It's been a, a little while since, since we had uh, them on. And, you know, I think we're all very interested in, in what the heck is going on here. Uh, it's kind of hard to follow uh, depending on what you're watching, whether you're watching NFTs or crypto or DeFi or whatever. But um Joe and John are, are the guys that I ask these questions to, so it'll be fun to, uh, to hear uh, things from their perspective. But before we begin, um, you guys should do like a quick intro of yourselves again and um, of Lunar Crush, of course. So just, just in case anyone's not familiar. Sure. I can start. Do it. Yeah. Joe Vizani, CEO of Lunar Crush. Um, gosh, we, I can't remember like the first blockchain and booze I was on, but <laughs> I don't know. This might be, John might've, he's might've, you know, done more than I have done, but always love mm-hmm. coming on, man. And appreciate you always asking us to be a part of it. Um, but yeah, no CEO of Lunar Crush. We started back in 2018, but really got started 2019 bear market. Um, it's social intelligence for crypto. So what we do is, um, we help people understand the communities growing, not maybe not growing around every single cryptocurrency we have thousands and thousands of cryptocurrencies that we track on Lunar Crush. And what we do is we tr- really try to create transparency for people um, in this crazy crypto world where maybe there aren't traditional indicators like 
10Ks, earnings reports, you know, we've got a big FOMC meeting tomorrow, which, you know, you just indicates exactly what's happening in the crypto space right now. And everyone's focused on macroeconomic factors because that really, you know, affects layer one number of whatever is going on. So shows you where we are right now in, in a bear market. But no, man, uh, appreciate you having us. And yeah, it's always great. I was going to let him go, John. I know, <laughs> that would have been awesome for an hour. Let me see how long it was going to go. Just keep nodding. Just, just sit there going like this. <laughs> I would have probably got out for a while. Uh, you know, okay, that I got I to gotta ADD it really quick for a, an awesome story. So uh, I told them afterwards, and I talked about this on stage at our events, so this isn't like uh, telling any stories. Um, I'm not supposed to, but one year at LA Blockchain Summit, the first, there were two days of the summit. Now we switched to three days, but there were two days. And one day we had Tim Draper opening keynote session or opening fireside chat. Day two was Adam Draper, his son, opening fireside chat. Both days, we did a little competition of who would take the longest to just answer a question, just keep talking. If we didn't, if I never said anything, just got up on stage and just, so I literally um, sat up on stage and with Adam, I was just like, sup, dude. And then he just went. And then with Tim, uh, something similar. And it was really, really funny. They just went for like five minutes without, without interruption, just rocked it and I'm kind of the same way, like right now. So uh, it's pretty great. You should have done it. Um, but uh, where I was going to go is when we first met, one of the things you told me were like, how do people even analyze crypto? And, and you know, I didn't have a good answer to it. But I remember you saying, you know, there's no such thing as like an earnings report or a quarterly report or a CEO of a cryptocurrency, right? And that was one of the things that, uh, that, that got me kind of hooked to, to paying attention to what's going on there. But I know it's the social. John, uh, you didn't intro yourself yet. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I love that. And I love what, obviously, what you guys are doing. Um, uh, I, John, Barjo, product, uh, really working on the cadence of what we build and launch and, and putting all those puzzle pieces together over time. Um, and... Uh, co-founded this crazy thing with Joe a few years ago. So, um, and uh, having, having so much fun uh, planning what we're building next. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I mean, and, and talking about what you're building next, we don't have to totally go, go into the future and what you guys do or don't want to share, but in the last year, things have changed and grown a lot. I mean, you guys launched your mobile app, you guys launched the lunar token and all those things. Um, you guys launched NFT tracking, um, which is, you know, I, I use just as much as the rest of the site now, which is which is really really awesome and 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 everything. So, um, what's uh, you know what 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 is next, or or at least to get, tell us about that that trajectory and what's changed. I so I, I mean, just behind, before and then John can talk roadmap real quick, just because he can tell you about the product. But what I wanted to say is that. Even from a year ago where the market's at, we're like at maybe 100,000 monthly active users. We're now past 1.5 million, um, even wow. through all of this craziness that's happened. Um, you know, it was probably at the height of the, of the bull market there. It was getting even close to like four. But man, that's like, you know, that, that's just kind of craziness. But I just want to say like building through this, this bear market is always, I, I think it's just such an amazing opportunity um, for all the people out there. And it's like, I've got a lot of, folks call me right now going like, man, I don't think I'm going to make it, you know, or, you know, I think I'm just going to fold up shop or like, 
you know, I've even heard about people literally just giving their companies to other people because like they have like an invoice that is owed, like it's insane. Um, but I, it's like, the, like the vision of what we're doing is like making it simple, making it easy. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like when's the last time you set up someone on a wallet or somewhere else on like, and they had to like transfer a little bit of cryptocurrency. It's like a thousand different steps that they need to take. And so we've always want to make that simple. And I think John's done like such an amazing, amazing job yeah. around like figuring out what the most important thing is for like us to build next. And so yeah. he can talk you through a little bit about that. Well, what's funny too. And just, just, this is a good reminder to throw this out there. I literally just got an alert and I accidentally clicked on it cause I was going to show everyone the alert, but it was um, one of my alerts uh, for Ethereum popped up saying that it went up like 5% in the last certain period of time. Like it popped up, got the app right. And this app didn't exist, right? Like I don't, nine months ago, a year ago. Um, and, and it's, it's so useful, but like for me, the most useful thing is setting those alerts, right? Like making sure that, that you set it up. And I don't know, like you guys live in the weeds with people who are trading, right? I don't trade that much. So the alerts for me are a little more just for fun and educational, but I'm just planning on holding the amount that I'm holding and, and not selling, not doing anything with it for, for a while. But I don't know, John, I mean, the, the, notifications, the alert settings, um, all that stuff that that's been a part of the roadmap, but where is it, where is it, uh, where's it going? I mean, just in, in, in general, I'm not going to give away super alpha cause we're working on some huge, huge things. Um, but I, I think if you look at the fact like we collect millions of posts a day, um, minus spam. So remember we move, we remove spam and we're really good at removing spam. Apparently it's really hard for Twitter to do it. Uh, but, but we're pretty accurate with it now. So, you know, when you look at that and you still see that we're collecting millions of posts today, today still, um, and you see that like within that, like, what is that? Like, that's a lot of individual social posts coming from a lot of people. They're sharing a lot of news. They're sharing a lot of opinions. They're sharing polls and surveys and all sorts of different things. And, and, and if you look at that, like, you know, in general, like you might look at Lunar Crush as a, as a data company. Wow, they're collecting all that data and they've gotten really good at consistently doing that and scaling. Because um, to scale to that that level, um, and, and now I'll say we can query that data in like a billionth of a second. Like it's like really, we're really fast at it too. It's insane. Um, so I think you'd look at that and say, okay, so we're a data company and, you know, shortly in a few weeks here, um, very shortly, we're going to be launching our API. So there's kind of that side of our business of like, you know, letting others build applications on top of our data. Um, but there's another side to this. There's all of the market data as well that we also consume. And when you combine those two things together, the, all of the community data and you combine all of the market data, some really beautiful things happen. And you start to see things that you might not see if you just saw either alone. Um, you know, a, as an example, like we were just looking earlier, like take like Solana, right? Take like Solana. You know, if you looked at the market data alone and I said, hey, here's the last year, um, you know, prices, it, it did moon and it's still, up, believe it or not, after all this, it's still up 28%. Um, but you wouldn't know just off the top of your head staring at Twitter that social volume is at an all-time high right now. You wouldn't know that. And so I think when you start to just kind of paint this picture of looking at everything together, and then you want to know, well, well, what's everyone talking about? What are the top things that are, why, why is it at a high right now? And if we can give you those insights um, that really kind of propel that further and say, hey, you know what, like Alon, you don't know to set 
an alert at which point do you want an alert on Solana? Don't know. You may not even want an alert on Solana. But I have if, zero alerts it, on Solana. <laughs> but what if it came to you? If it came to you automatically? And so I think yeah. when you start to think of where we're going, it's it's a lot of it is around user experience. And we yeah. look like um, we look like a, a, an entity that that's pushing up updates every week to make that user experience better, to make the platform more valuable and to really iterate on it. And, you know, I would say another thing that you should look at is like, so sure, we track coins. Sure, we track NFTs. Well, our, our technology can scale to other asset types. So there's many things. I'll leave it at that. I won't give uh, away more than that. But there's a lot more that we can track with what we're doing. My collection of root beer bottles. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what really what I meant. Cool. Pretty low social volume over there on, on the root beer bottles. I don't know. The Two mentions. Vintage, vintage uh, uh, Sioux City sarsaparilla bottles I have at my parents' house got have to go for something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have a dad's root beer and W Sioux City. Like you'll see them all, just like uh, our, yeah. our you know market. Yeah, I, I bet you there's a market for that. I have no idea. I don't know why that came into my head, but uh, my cousin Yoni uh, and I did used to collect root beer bottles if root beer came in a bottle we would buy it and we would save the bottle and i probably have a box at my parents house full of root beer bottles uh, which is really funny just cornering the market Amazing. that's right so um, the other thing i just want to throw out there too is like you, you could think of just like the the maturity of where we've been and what we've been through over the last six to eight months like we launched lunar we launched this platform we started to build into it we're building more into it and if you kind of look at the model, like moving forward of what it's going to do, a lot of things are going to be built that actually consume it. And so um, you could think of that as like sort of a never ending onslaught of utilities that end up getting built out over time. Um, and that looks like many different things. And those will be announced as we move forward. But, you know, we're we're pretty excited about like, you know, just the simple fact of like it's not a Lunar Crush thing, but it's more of like a DAP thing. Um, and Joe was talking about it earlier a little bit, that friction of like, I need to set up a wallet. I need the native token of that blockchain that I'm interacting yeah. with, I, which means for many that are just new to this, they got a KYC and set up an exchange and, and, and you go through steps. I mean, could you imagine using a standard web application that made you go through nine steps, install a browser plugin, open up your oh, wallet, yeah. figure like you don't even know what, any of this stuff even means. And so for, for crypto to become more mainstream, um, I know there's a whole lot of efforts to do that, but I mean, it, it's still like, you look at what we've done so far, um, you know, we don't require a native token to get started on our application. We don't require you to go out and set up a wallet initially, unless you want to. Yeah. Um, you know, we, there's a lot of steps beyond that that we're gonna take that are gonna make it a lot more seamless. and. That's really hard. And this is really what yeah. crypto needs to, to focus on um, or else we're talking to ourselves. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I love to bring newer people into like Tezos NFTs so they could, they could learn and practice where the stakes are low. You're not going to spend a ton on transaction fees. And I think it's some really great products there. Right. But every time I help get somebody started, I still have to send them a Tez or they have to create an account on Coinbase, whitelist their new wallet for, for 48 hours or whatever it is for three days, two or three days, and then send the 20 bucks or whatever. Like it's, it's, it's a crazy thing. But 
the only way around it is for people to give money to other people. That's not a sustainable thing, right? Um, but the way you guys did it, I, I absolutely love because I remember signing up, being able to create, uh, you know, to start rece receiving rewards in the Lunar app without uh, without ever creating a, a Zill wallet, right? Because I know you guys are, are on Zill, but now you have, uh, I know I connected my MetaMask too, right? So you're going to have some some other uh, interoperability stuff. Yes, yeah. it's bridged into uh, Ethereum and, and, and Binance BNB chain um, at the moment. And um, I just want to throw out another, another point. It's like, you know, as you, you were giving the example of like every time someone comes to you and you kind of help them do all of that. I mean, just think of, comprehend this for just a second, how crazy it is that there are over 800% more people right now talking about crypto than two years ago. That's so 8x awesome. more people, not posts, yeah. not engagements. Yeah. People I did the math. People. I did the math at one point. I'm sure that since I did the math like six months ago, I need to relook. I mean, I did the math. By saying I did the math, I actually mean I opened up the Lunar Crush app and I put in a date range. Um, and from the last in-person LA Blockchain Summit, which is now it in October will be three years, there was 30, I think, 3x more actual individual people discussing crypto on the Internet than before. 33x, right? So it's, it's absolutely bonkers where, where we're going. And like you said... We're seeing all-time highs on social, even in this market. So people are talking about it more than ever. So it's it's kind of it's interesting because it's kind of flattened out globally overall. But certain projects, the traffic, like the the social activity is really high. Like for example, take Ethereum right now. Yeah. Um, the and it's like you could see like Bitcoin sort of kind of as, as Bitcoin was going up to its highs and everything, you'd see kind of that activity flow with it, and then it's kind of still like kind of steadied off, but you're seeing the, the activity in Ethereum now accelerating where Bitcoin's not. Yeah. And so like, it, it's really an interesting thing to see. And of course we got things like the merge and I don't know all the urge words that are going to be coming after apparently, but um, merge and yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, the, the thing everyone has said for, I don't know how many years we've been hearing people talking about like the flippening. Do you think that happens with the merge? Do you think the merge is the news uh, that people sell on? Do you think the new the merge will will create you know all of like the biggest sort of mostly fake news fud in in terms of you know blockchain in general is the is the environmental stuff right? Some of it's real depending on the blockchain, but most of it is BS when you compare it to the comparable other financial service uh, um, things, right? Like Rails. But that goes away with the merge, right? Or at least you can't really say that buying an NFT is bad for the environment the second the merge happens, right? Or at I least mean, do you really think that though? Do we really think that how many people didn't buy a Ethereum NFT or like didn't buy, wouldn't buy a board ape because well, they think that I don't Ethereum's know, I don't overall think impact on it? Most like, individuals don't give a crap, but there's whole communities of people who go like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You can't make an NFT. That shit's bad for the environment. Like, try. Why are you trying to make a living, awesome artist? Right? There's no. Like, there's no way. I mean, I get. And like, I've seen. And I've seen companies. Well, like for example, one one company that we we had uh, a representative of on this show to announce their big NFT that they were launching, 
ended up canceling plans for the NFT completely because their community, gaming community, shit on them and were like, what are you doing? This is bad for the environment, blah, 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 blah. And their community freaked out on them that it was bad for the environment and they just canceled it completely. Um, and it was a gaming uh, yeah. product, right? But, like my bigger thing with Ethereum is like, like part of what makes yeah. Bitcoin so amazing is it's, it is proof of work. Right. Yeah. And, and like a 51% attack and yeah. like the actual work that's needed to be a part of that network. And like, it is the truth machine, right? You put something yeah. into the, the Bitcoin blockchain and like right now where Ethereum stands with proof of work, it's kind of like serving its purpose with like how yeah. difficult it is to get and be a part of that network. And, you know, sure the fees are a little bit more, but like in a way it's kind of like, well, that's the price to have that, that level of security um you know i know like you know you've got matic and you've got like the layer one wars and everything else that happened simply on gas fees simply on the back of gas fees like yeah. it is the reason that things like solana and everything and and, and matic and polygon and everything exists yeah. which is fine i mean it's an iteration on what's going on and there's a purpose for that though but well, so the gas fees like it's just people it's a, it's not really true that the gas fees should change when the merge happens right it, it'll marginally change. Like, well, it's not going to change very much because there's the same demand. There might be more demand, so the fees might go up. Um, and, and that will create more opportunities for the other layers. Um, but it'll, it'll at least check a box of nobody will be able to say it's bad for the environment. Um, yeah. Even though the traditional finance world is orders of magnitude worse for the environment. Orders of magnitude. <laughs> that doesn't matter because it memes are money, right? Like, yeah. yeah uh, the, the narrative... I mean, there's so many sides to this debate. I mean, we're not going to do an hour on energy, but like, you know, <laughs> even when you when you look at like Bitcoin and you look at Ethereum, I mean, like for me, at least I, I don't care about a flipping at all. I just look at both of them as completely different. And if I was looking to build a diversified portfolio, I would want a little bit of each because they're used for different reasons. You yeah. hold them and use them for different purposes. I'm not holding Bitcoin to go buy a board eight. I'm holding Bitcoin as a store of value and I'm, and I'm buying Ethereum because so, I have that utility and believe in Web3. And, and it's, it's like two different things. And, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of efforts to You're, build things on top yeah, of Bitcoin. The, but the, the Bitcoin's for the Lambo. The ETH is for the Ape. Uh, the, <laughs> the Tez is for, uh, I don't know, um, for something, for, for, your, for your child's uh, college fund. Um, I, I, I think one of the one of the things I'm most shocked about being in this for years is people's like for starters, like people's willingness to give up their keys to companies that offer them five percent yield on their Bitcoin. I'm shocked. Um, I'm shocked that people are so willing to trade their Bitcoin ever. Um, it's the wrong narrative. And I think that there's too much sort of anxiety in the market and I don't know if it's if it's social that's telling people to trade too much, but I think people trade too much. I don't know if it's exchanges telling people to trade too much, but why are you trading your Bitcoin? Yeah. Like for what? Is there something better you're looking to buy? Because you know what? Last the last thousand people that I've heard talk that that all traded into something other than Bitcoin didn't get more Bitcoin. Yeah. So it's a tough timing to do. It's just an odd. It's an odd um, strategy. It's it's really crazy. Also, well. I think the thing is I, I'm I'm my brain isn't like wired for trading, right? I'm not like 
the type of person who's really, really excited to buy some random token for 10 cents and sell it the next day for 20 cents. It's cool when that happens, but I almost never sell because the only reason why I would buy a token is because I'm like thinking way far in the future. It's why I do early stage venture type of investing. <laughs> I just want to be on the team and hang out for the next 10 years and let's see what happens. Um, but, you know, there are people who, who do want to trade, but the thing is like, I think we all kind of feel and know that Bitcoin is going to 10x from where it is today at some point, maybe a lot more than that. But like, we believe that. We don't know, though, if it's going to be six months from now, uh, three years from now or 10 years from now. Like, you know, the, the markets are irrational, but I think we all believe that. So it seems insane to be to be trading Bitcoin. I get trading other other things, but it's, it seems wild. I think markets are, are perfectly rational and people overinvest themselves and they're broke and they overinvest their money, which causes them to trade too much. Markets react perfect to that. Like it's just, uh, it, it's, it's still strange when, when you could have the narrative of Bitcoin, read any book on the history of Bitcoin and, and like understand it. And then still to try and, you know, trade alts to scalp a little more Bitcoin is, is a really tough thing to do in any market. So, I mean, just consistently. Yeah. I, I will say like with Sailor, like, you know, I'm not like in the full like religion of Michael Saylor and in, in like the hardcore, like maxis, but it's like him saying it's either going to a million or going to zero. Like that's kind of the mentality that like that all of us have, except we just all realize it's not going to zero. Yeah. You know, like well, we've already made that, we've already made that up in our minds that like, you know, we understand the technology, we understand the people behind it, we understand, you know, the communities behind it. And we understand that, like, if you like, that is the decision, and we all know it's not going to zero. And so it's like, the only other option is this other one that we've all decided to take. And then for trading, it's like, I think the allure with trading is like, it's like making a decision, like, all you have to do is make a decision. And if that's the right decision, you know, it's like, I guess you could say, like, you know, if you're someone that's, you know, trying to get it like a, a new car or you want to like move up to a different like apartment or you're trying to buy a house or you're trying to get like your side yard done at your house and that's $10,000 or whatever it may be. And there's some allure to like, you make a decision and then like all you did was like make that decision, no effort, no physical, whatever. Maybe there's some anxiety that was around it. And then this other thing just kind of like materializes. And I feel like that's always been like this allure to any market that like has ups and downs or has like velocity to it. Cause you could say like, you know, we could say that, you know, like why, why are there three X bull and bear SPY equity, like equities that I can buy. Right. Like that, is that any different than saying I'm buying like an altcoin, right? Like, why is it okay for like that to exist? Like, is that not like gambling in a way? And then it's like, yeah. well, then is Bitcoin gambling? Then are alts gambling? And then is actual gambling gambling? It's like, these are all just markets of like decision-making. And it's like, hey, do I feel like I can make a better decision than this other person? Yes or no. And it's like, man, that's like ubiquitous across like the world. That's all that this all is. It's like, I'm going to buy a 1971 Chevelle because I think that like, that's going to go up in price. And then like, wait, can you securitize that Chevelle? Can I share in that risk? It's like, it's just like what humans do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's totally, it's, it's totally true. I used to, uh, I think 
you kind of evolve. And if you at least recognize it in yourself, like I used to think that the 67 Ford Fairlane that I've parked in my parents' driveway still from when I was 16 years old, it was somehow going to like get fixed up by me and my dad and we were going to sell it for a lot of money. Now I look at that and go, like, I hope one day we actually fix it, but I don't give a shit about the money because I know it's a losing proposition in terms <laughs> yeah. of money, um, but it's going to be super fun. But like, you know, there is, there is this craziness, but I also feel like saying Michael Saylor and maximalist is also an oxymoron and bullshit. Like him saying he's, because doesn't, shouldn't, according to most maximalists who are at least total dickheads on Twitter and the way they talk, especially because half of them that are semi-popular were shilling altcoins like three years ago, like hardcore. So they're total hypocrites and they'll call other people out on shit, but never themselves. But beyond going, that isn't a, just a public stock, a shit coin to most maximalists. And how could you be buying Bitcoin into a public company and then also saying you're a great public company? Um, that doesn't seem right, right? Like, you know, if you're a Bitcoin maximalist. Yeah, like you definitely, in order to get that much Bitcoin too. Bitcoin. Yeah, he, in, in order to get that much Bitcoin, unless it was some sort of like massive OTC transfer from like someone, something that's off chain to another cold wallet, like he probably made that they or whoever probably made that through like combination of like finance Kraken, like NYDIG, like all these kind of like, how do you go not mess with the price and get it on the open market, which is like, you know, but that's also kind of the correct thing that you want to do is like, yeah. Hey, the healthy thing for the market, if I'm going to put $80 billion in or whatever they're going to put in over the course of how many years you want to buy that in the market so that you're actually driving this natural price up versus doing this off chain swap. And like, you know, so I think there's like something to that too. So it's like, well, you went and bought it on a centralized exchange and the same as like Tesla probably did was a combination of all of those. Yeah, they all, like, they, they did they're the not right, things, they're they're not things that I'm against, yeah. but if you say you're a maximalist and you say everyone should have not yeah. your keys, not your cheese, right. Or whatever, like all these things that you want to say, which I fucking love, but then at the same time, you can't be like, it, it's such a hypocritical thing. It, um, I think the one thing we've learned in this, and I know John will back me up on it is like, it's just this, like we're just going through like the progression of change and like yes i know we all probably want like you know not your keys not your like not your coins and like we want to be all the way there but it's just like like to think that you're going to like upend like the us dollar like in a matter of like four years or something it's just not it's just not realistic like yeah, you're living in like banana land like thinking that like this is just going to happen it's like it takes time and it's like they and the best part is like long time preference right like that's always like the the words that everyone likes to use it's like well if you truly have long time preference like what is like what is the long play there it's like play both games you know and play them well and then make your move when you have amassed enough you know goodwill to make the move and it's like it doesn't seem like that's the path that a lot of those folks are going and it's like you would you you have to be insane to say that like defi summer nfts and everything else that's happened like hasn't helped bitcoin and made the case for bitcoin like you just have yeah. to be crazy to say that that's not the truth yeah yeah i mean it's all it's all uh tied together in some way i get that bitcoin is a totally different thing and that's why i think i agree with what john was saying earlier like it's like crazy to be like i think amazon stock is better than tesla stock so like i'm an amazon maximalist fuck every other stock like that's a crazy thing they're different companies doing different things you could you could like one more than the other but you could still have some of both um or or not if you don't like it but like yeah. it's it's a funny it's a funny thing um 
Ben uh, in, in the chat just said, so SEC refusing to allow a spot ETF of BTC is actually to help the market, right? With like a million laughy faces, right? Yeah. That's always a great one. It's like why, like I said, like 3x yeah. bull or bear, like SPY, you can trade that, but you can't trade a Bitcoin spot ETF. Like what's going on? Yeah. Like, like you know, Paul Pelosi can go take calls out on NVIDIA like three weeks before like they're going to have a vote on something that like his wife is in charge of when the vote happens yet no bitcoin at like spot etf like what's going on like it's There's just no don't don't here. forget uh don't forget uh, one of my favorite personally jim kramer um oh yeah i saw today. some yeah go, go. well uh we we even tweeted it a few hours ago but you know he says he's been eagerly waiting for the sec investigation to happen for ages um and i love uh we Against shared the tweet ways. where Yes, on Coinbase. And we shared the tweet that he posted a little bit ago that said, we like Coinbase to $475. So, <laughs> like, you know, if, if you're going to go out and make these predictions, like, even if you were to say that $475, okay, and then what? And then what? And then what? It's like these people are sort of putting their 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 reputation on the line out there and then backtracking and saying, oh, no, it was just an idea. Well, just if, you, if you grew up in a world like, of TV, it doesn't fucking matter what you say because everyone forgets like a minute later. Because and bye, bye, no, bye. people aren't DVRing <laughs> or VHS taping your your random TV predictions, right? Like you could, you know. So people... you could say this topic is is big for us, and this is I'm going to go back to my point earlier about like great, we collect all this data. Part of it is improving that user experience to uncover stuff like this. And so that's when we talk about direction of where we want to go, it, it's more clarification around these kinds of things and putting people on the spot to a degree. If you're going to go out there and say Coinbase to 475 and change your mind in 97 different ways, you're not right. <laughs> like, like you're actually very wrong and, and actually doing harm to a degree to a, a good, good portion of people that are going to overinvest their money. And so which causes more people with, with weak hands to dump their Bitcoin to corporations. Yeah, and then people and then people talk about crypto being a scam and stuff like that because they they got kind of suckered in by people they trusted. I, I got a question for you guys. Like, so, like, what are your thoughts around corporations holding large and amassing large amounts of Bitcoin and others, Ethereum? Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts around this? Does this is this an opportunity and a great thing for growing the market, or is this systemic risk? in an environment where the regulation is not clear? You know, I, from a regulatory standpoint, I kind of like it, right? Because the mo more, uh, you know, politicians and corporations that hold Bitcoin, the more likely we're going to see regulation that's not terrible, right? Because regulation exists to protect them more than anyone else, no matter what bullshit politician tells us, it's to protect the people, right? We know that it's obvious. It's just the way the world seems to work for the last, as long as we know. Um, but at the same time, if you truly believe, you know, no borders, no nations, uh, uh, no centralized government kind of utopia world of Bitcoin solving all the world's problems, you don't want them to have any of it because you don't want them to have any control over those markets and the people that you want to hold Bitcoin, which is not exactly us, right? Even in the United States, even in this world where we think US is, is losing to other countries, we're still really lucky to be here. And it, 
Bitcoin is much more life-changing to citizens of El Salvador and other places than it is to us. To us, it's still marginally better, arguably, than our, than our dollars uh, on a daily basis, right? So it, you know, it drives me nuts like when, when those maximalists are cheering on the corporations who are buying Bitcoin, right? Like to me, if you're a Bitcoin maximalist, you should be anti any government person even mentioning the word Bitcoin and any corporation doing it. And so the punk rocker in me wants to just like yell at everyone and say, this isn't a good thing. <laughs> but it is kind of a good thing, at least in the short term, in terms of this uncertain regulatory world, at least it's what I'm telling myself and rationalizing it. I don't know. Thinking out loud. How about you, Joe? You, Joe? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, when Tesla bought that Bitcoin, you know, and it's like you've got a firecracker like Elon Musk, like even in and around decisions around that. I mean, it's like, like, I, you know, I don't know how the guy manages his time, but like, you know, like he's like, you know, I, like we live on social. This is like our company's like job and the guy's like out there replying to like random stuff way more than like probably even like John or I are doing across like 20 accounts and it's crazy. But, you know, you'd think like a when companies like that would get into or make an investment, you've got a plan, you know, and it's not like maybe someone aping into some, you know, random coin and saying like, I'm going to get like, I've got no idea when I'm getting out of this. I just hope it goes up or like whatever. My friend told me about it. It's like, when Tesla makes a billion dollar investment, you think they've got a little bit more of a plan um, around how they want to hold it or how they want to get rid of it. Like, I, I really doubt the plan was like, Hey, like, you know, let's buy it at like, you know, around like, and then get rid of it around like the end of the bear or like middle of the bear market there around 28. Like they had no, it didn't seem like they had any sort of plan. And, you know, so it's like, I, I can understand potentially a plan because there is governance around like at, companies a little bit of a different governance there's turnover at a lot of these things especially big companies there's there's yeah. gap accounting there's other ways that this kind of happens so there's like controls there so it's like i don't hate it you know that they could purchase it and it's like you know the laws are in our company they almost treat a corporation like a person and like it's, you know the, i think the taxing is kind of unfair right like it's a different yeah. type of like tax system that you have as a company versus a person and like you know that doesn't make as much sense to me but you know, it's yeah, it's folks, enough. Folks in the chat are saying that Tesla had cash flow issues, and that's the reason they they sold. Yeah, it. so it's like you know they they go in and they have now it's like it's up to those cat. Uh, it's like cash flow issues, a billion dollars on that. Like that's know. the thing you're going to release. <laughs> like right, it's, they just day traded Bitcoin at like a huge excuse, scale. But, but cash flow. I mean, Elon. Elon, even where where Tesla is at, is still like has that probably he's probably siphoned off enough cash to have that in bank accounts like personally yeah. so like the fact that like tesla tesla can go do a couple like you know just move the pencil a little bit weird and probably have a billion dollars show up like you know yeah like through investing activities or whatever else they're doing so to me that that's not doesn't seem like cash flow is probably the issue it's like it's probably just like why do we, we don't need this like what else are we you know, everyone's cleaning house right now. Like, think about it. They're getting rid of employees. People are taking the opportunity. If they can fire people, they will do it, even if they don't need to. They're just looking at things to clean up. And they're probably thinking, like, man, it's just complicated. Like, get rid of it, but maybe don't sell all of it and see how people react. And then if they don't shit the bed too much, then, like, sell the rest. Yeah, it's 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 really hard to to know and rationalize things, especially in those companies where, Elon Musk probably does have 
majority control and can do things, but there are other factors at play and, and things that we don't, we don't know about. Plus, you know, having losses sometimes can, can be helpful in other side of things and doing all these things we don't know about behind the scenes. Um, are, just to touch yeah. though, it's kind of goes back to what John was saying of like, you know, we've got like all the, like everywhere where people were talking about, not your keys, not your coins. It's like, it's experience. Yeah. It's like, people are going to lose their keys if someone else isn't holding it in the traditional log on right now. And so it's like, how do you make that simpler? Like how do, and I think this is, this comes with like, you know, as we, as time goes on, like, you know, you look at the kids that you hire out of school right now, it's like, they kind of can code a little bit. They kind of can design a little bit. They can kind of create content a little bit. They can do a lot more of the things that like, you know, if you look at someone that maybe is a little bit older and it's at the twilight of their career, maybe like, probably not out there like, you know, like hitting a random API and just pulling some data really quick to like figure out and do some analysis on it. And then like creating content on it. It's like people are going to realize, and it's going to be very simple to kind of hold their own keys eventually. And so like, I think the decentralized world is just so much better. Like it would have protected us against everything that happened with like Terra and Luna. Right. Like, you know, I love when people are like, well, like Terra or uh, UST didn't lose its peg on the, on the blockchain. Like it didn't lose its peg. I was like, well, it looks like that didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> looks like that didn't matter. So yeah. what what happened was you got 500 different markets traded across a hundred exchanges. You got exchanges that could just pick up that and like do whatever they want with it. And, you know, how do you keep, it, it became, became a traditional market making problem, not a, you know, algorithmic stable coin problem. And so it's like, that's what I'm looking forward to. And I'm hoping this next cycle represents is like a much stronger decentralized world. Um, and, you know, like what would have happened if like, if there was just one liquidity pool with Terra in it and all of that was concentrated in one place and every single person just hit that one pool, moving a billion dollars in and out wouldn't have mattered, but destabilizing one liquidity pool because $300 million was moved at the wrong time set off a chain effect that literally tumbled the whole thing. It's like there was $60 billion that evaporated there. Like, people, I don't know if people realize like how it's big insane. of a thing this was. That's I mean, it's, it's freaking bonkers. It, you know, we also, as a industry, if that's the right word here, um, need to like mandate that exchanges have their transactions happen on chain. Yes. Like, I mean, things like serum are pretty cool. Like, you know, some, there's lots of different flavors that I'm sure be in, in the works, but like there should be no ambiguity of what goes on behind the walls of a, of a centralized entity. Um, and that's, that's another problem here because the reality is every project sort of looks the same. Like, do they have a white paper? Do they have a roadmap? Do they have a website? Do they have a, are they on Twitter? Are they have a discord? Like everyone kind of looks roughly speaking and some call them, some of them scams, and some of them are apparently legit. But technically, they all look the same. And this is, I think, where, like, you know, there's a comment in, the, in, in, the, in here about trust in the, in the chat. But it's like, you know, the, the whole industry has a trust problem more than anything. Yeah. Um, and which, I think which that's... Which one are you talking about? I can, is it one of the ones I can bring uh, up on the screen? Or are you in the... Well, it's just... I, I was just looking at the comments. Tarun Gore from yeah. LinkedIn. But it's, it's like... I, I feel like whatever can be done to improve trust, um, you know, is, is critical. Um, and, and I, I'm going to go back to, I was in NFT NYC. I told this story to my team. I even tweeted it out in the thread. I sat at breakfast one morning 
one of the largest exchanges that you know, their listing team happened to be sitting next to me. Um, I'm not going to say which exchange publicly, but they were talking about how, you know, they were working with a team that was going to pay them. I think it was the number was $6 million and they were upset about it and they were going to get their tokens and they were talking about dumping them as they listed the coin on their exchange on their own users. So that and they can maintain their 20% setting, in a public you. setting. Three, three people from their listing like, team like were at trading calls on NVIDIA like a week before the, the vote. It's brazen. Sorry, I had, I had Yeah. Well, well, they're protected by the law, so that's okay. right. Exactly. Right. But John brings up yeah. this, like, it's, this is not just a like, one-time occurrence there, right? Like, this is, like, if they're doing this and they're saying it in a public place, like, how many times has that happened over the course of the last couple of years? And it's like, you know, if, if you're a founder trying to build in Web3, like, I implore you to, like, really, truly think about your strategy and what you want to do and th like these days of all like like what is the point of getting on to a thousand different exchanges and creating this velocity around trading like when we're sitting here saying this entire time like we're even a a company that's out there publishing data to help protect people against and all of this and create transparency it's like what is the point of going out there and trading like crazy it's like build the utility build your product like start from ground zero like have this out there and you know i'm just it takes the community to understand and and build this out the right way i mean you still see remnants right now even in the in the space of like people launching layer ones and like it's going to be the next thing and it's like backed by all these vcs that are just like you know the the typical names that are out there and it's like it's just not fully flushed out yet you know it's just not yeah. they haven't learned the lesson because people like i said it's like there's this allure to making a quick buck. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's like, it's going to stay. Think, and, and it's still early. And so as people are still doing it, I saw it. So I used to joke in the crowdfunding world, there was like this moment in time when all these sort of scammy make a quick buck people flooded in and then realized it wasn't that easy to just print money out of thin air. So they left. And then all of a sudden in the crowdfunding space, when we were sort of getting in between crowdfunding and, and crypto, there was like the, uh, when they were making announcements that that cannabis was going to be legal, all these people kind of flooded in and were like, we have a cannabis startup. We have a cannabis startup. Um, and, and those people kind of all went away. Some of them then launched crypto cannabis startups that went away too uh, in 2017. Both of them. <laughs> but but, oh but the ICO craze, right? And I think people yeah. are still in that mindset where it's like crypto is still free money. It's magical internet money. And there's just going to be so many of these crappy projects that are cash grabs, um, for, for a long time. Um, we've only got about 10 minutes, but there is a really good, thoughtful question here. I, I'd like to get your guys' sure. thoughts on um, the one from Justin here on LinkedIn, which by the way, if uh, you're watching, I'll throw this up really quick. The meet.blockchainboost.io. Come hang back uh, and uh, you'll be able to turn on your camera and stuff like that when, when we're done here, if you want to chat with the community. But but Justin said, you know, there was, there was a whole post from Dan uh, Moorhead, who's in my opinion, one of the sure. smartest dudes in the space. I really, really like him. I, he's one of the few newsletters I read almost every single time um, about talking about how crypto would soon decorrelate, um, which people have been talking about for a long time. It hasn't happened yet. I think this, this latest market move actually is kind of coupling it again because of just the fact that we were talking about earlier, like 
crypto is very liquid. It's easy to get your money out. So when you're scared, it's easy to, to sell it. It's easier to sell than your stocks, actually. So, um, but, but what, how do you think uh, it'll behave over the next, you know, six to nine months, year, whatever? Um, uh, do you guys think it's going to eventually decorrelate? Do you think it matters? Um, what do you guys think? So, I, I mean, wait, uh, he, uh, he said uh, soon, the word soon was in that comment, soon decorrelate. So I think, I think you have to look at, at, at time a little different and you have to look at um, if, if the promises of Bitcoin is real, it, it isn't something that happens in, in a, how do you put it, in a adoption phase. You know, and that's kind of where we're at right now. We're in this phase of accumulating. We're in this phase of getting acceptance to occur. Um, we're in this phase of, you know, Chipotle launching by the dip campaigns, which is cool, by the way, because it shows some sort of scale is occurring. I, where I, they wanna, think I just need to throw out it. a lesson. My kids hate Chipotle because they broke Roblox. So um, I, I hope Chipotle <laughs> doesn't break Bitcoin either. Just throwing it out there, you know, be careful what you wish for. So, so, so if you think, if you think through the, like, you know, corporate adoption, like Exodus payments, um, which is still crazy potentially to use it. Um, but like you get to this kind of next level of then countries accepting it. We see, we see experiments with yeah. things like El Salvador who could not be more serious about it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and man, that's brave. If you think about it, just, just, just brave. So I give them a lot of credit doesn't matter what happens in El Salvador other than the fact that wow that's amazing and and like you kind of think of this going along 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 we're not at the point of stability we're not at the point of decorrelation yet we're at the point of like oh man there's inflation that's that's happening oh no everyone risk off Ooh, protect your assets your nest egg your house your you know your kids going to college like we're we're not there yet and so I, I think you got to look out real far. And I, when you say soon, no, I don't think that happens soon. Um, I think that happens decades away and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, decades away, isn't that far away. To, mm -hmm. You know, if we think about just life, look, think about this. Like I, I, I talk about this kind of a lot because it still blows my mind when I think about it. I launched, uh, I quit my day job to do my last company, which was a, a crowdfunding online investment platform uh, company in 2012. At that time, I was working before that at IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, and that's owned by Amazon. They launched a thing called Amazon Video, uh, Video On Demand, Amazon VOD. And at that point, 2012, think about this, people, 10 years ago, filmmakers were pissed because Films should not be watched over the internet. This is a beautiful piece of art I created. And why would you ever watch this pixelated, blurry, crappy version of my art? This is, it was like, a, it was an attack, right? On, on filmmakers. Like, I don't want people to watch this on Amazon. I don't want people to watch this on YouTube. The quality sucks. And at that point, people barely watched things like Netflix. I think, I don't even know if Netflix, Netflix did exist but it was just starting and it was mostly still DVDs over the DVD in the mail. Right. And that was 10 years ago, 10 years ago, we didn't watch TV over the internet. Like TV was still a, a thing, right? Like you watched cable TV or you watched DVDs and you watched crappy quality videos on YouTube or you pirated stuff and it wasn't great quality. Like think about that. 
That was 10 years ago. So you want to change the complete, you know, monetary policy of the world and introduce a whole new global currency or whatever in, in, in 10 years in that much time? Like how long did it go from, you know, those crappy videos, the line wires, the, the Napsters and the Kazaz and illegally downloading stuff till today when we could actually watch a movie properly on the internet. Alone, that's such an awesome uh, example because, you know, there's the video itself and then there's the, the, the player. Yeah. Remember the old players? Remember, like, even yeah. listen. Winamp? Look at Winamp. Uh, right, Winamp. Or Divix. You skin, yeah, skins player, on like, your Winamp. By yeah. the way, the dude who runs, uh, who's run, who's like the one of the main dudes at uh, Ledger was an early dude at Winamp. And I was that's sitting awesome. backstage at VCon talking to him before we went on stage. Uh, Ian, he's a rock star. Um, but like we were talking about the same exact subject. Like people went from Winamp, it was only existed essentially to play illegal stuff or stuff you ripped. Like who really yep. took their CDs and put them onto the computer and ripped them? Like some of us did, but not, you know, most of us. Yeah, it the, happened. The bigger issue, I think <laughs> if you, it's like, it's like the, the infrastructure wasn't there to stream quickly yeah. or at scale. The player sucked. The video quality was terrible. So because of it, video on the internet must be stupid, right? It must be the worst idea ever. Why would you ever put it on the internet? Um, and, and it's like, you know, you kind of think about it. That None of what I just said was the real issue. The real issue was the production of that video meant for the internet. Like, imagine now if you're a director and you're, you're making content, you're thinking of, of streaming it out there and making it interactive, making it participatory, making it like, how do you tokenize the, the, this platform? Like, the, the actual model around the video was also not right because yeah. it was borrowed from like the 1950s, you know, it wasn't made for this new medium. And so I think we're, we're kind of in this win out phase trying to get out of it in crypto. It, it feels like. Just to like, it, it's such a, I know we went down like the peer to peer music path a little bit, but it's like, you guys might even remember, like it was like Kazaa and like, what, like it was like Morpheus and iMesh and like, those were all built on top of like, like an SDK of like fast track or whatever that was. It's like, it's very similar if you think about to like what's happening right now, like people creating EVM and kind of building on top of that. But like, I, I did want to like answer like the Dan Moorhead Pantera answer a little yeah. bit of like correlation is like, you know, I think it was like Robert Kiyosaki posted the other day around like, you know, uh, I'm like, this is going to happen. He referenced like something that happened in like in China in like 1684 and then said like, and then I'm, I'm pretty sure it's 1680 something there. And then it's like, I'm buying silver and gold and Bitcoin, but I'm going to wait and not buy Bitcoin yet. But it, like until it goes lower. And it's like, I think I ran like the correlation over the last six months on like just those three. And it was like something around 0.8, which would be like, you know, statistically significant positive relationship of like the correlation between those two. And it's like, why are you waiting on Bitcoin? It was like, it made no sense, but it's like, we like i think in the short term there can be these moments that are less correlated you know it's like the same thing happened when at the beginning when like covid hit you know everything goes in when panic modes happen and bear bear markets happen it's kind of these panic things of like and this goes back to what we were saying of that like the us dollar is still king right now it's like people are going to flight they're going to run to that and it's like sometimes when you're seeing strength in bitcoin and strengths and other things it's not so much you're seeing the strength in the bitcoin but you're seeing the weakness in the dollar it is true. You guys showed me at one point how you could watch the stable coins uh, on, on Lunar Crush and see yep. when stable coins are looking bullish or bearish and what that means for the market. 
Yeah. If you ever see like three stable coins in the top 10 alt rank, that means like it's like max pain moment. And like sometimes, cause it's real time how it's changing. Sometimes it's like just in like one moment, like 10 minute, 20 minute period. And then it kind of loosens up a little bit and it's a nice indicator to say like, okay, like it, this will turn around here pretty quickly. And so I, I, I don't know, like correlation can happen. It, it can happen, but it's like, it's just an indicator that, you know, we still are in a, in a time period where it's like, you know, like if you look at especially like the large cap, like layer ones or like large cap, like like something like larger tokens like Graph or like EOS and like you're looking at some of that stuff, like, man, if you watch a real-time Bitcoin chart and then you watch a like a truly like just a piped in price feed of like those tokens, it is like someone's making a shit ton of money because they are tracking identically to Bitcoin. Bitcoin's moving starts to move up, boom, immediately those all start to move up. And there is microseconds of like time that people are just shaving cents off. It's happening all over the place. And so I would say that that is a very dangerous time for a consumer to be making calls. Um, and like, if you're a retail investor to be making calls on that, cause there's a much larger game being played. And so it's like, kind of goes back to what we're saying at the beginning of like, man, if you're, if you're not out to compete against some of those people, like your job, like, you know, I hate to, like, you know, with Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, you know, both now getting into their nineties, it's like, go make as much money as you can doing something else and just keep dollar cost averaging and plowing money. In. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, look at any chart ever. And that's why diversification matters. It's like, you know, keep putting money in diversifying dollar cost averaging, and you're going to be better off five years from now than you are today. And pay very, very close attention to the community. Because, because honestly, like within that, like imagine in that with the long term horizon, and you're just constantly adding. Doesn't matter at what price. Yeah, you'll you'll live a nice, uh, like, less stressful life, just constantly adding and having conviction. But if you're if you're paying attention to what's going on in the community, um, it sort of makes you feel cued in to what's happening. Because mm -hmm. you know, I don't know about you guys, but like, take go ahead go ahead and take three or four days off and tell tell me how many years it feels like you're you're gone from crypto. Like, no, I mean, you, I yeah, you know. I take like a Thursday, Friday off and then there's the weekend and then like I try to not look like I might look at Lunar Crush or something. Like I might look at like a price chart or something in the app, but I'm not like following it and I'll go on Twitter and I'll see all these tweets and I'll be feel like I'm completely out of the loop. Like I have I've just been gone for a month. Um, it's it's absolutely bonkers. I got one last question before uh, I point people at Lunar Crush and we 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 end this because we're a couple minutes over time now. But Ben just asked. Um, do you guys plan on keeping your data siloed from AI or are you building with that too? Actually, I'm not sure I fully understand the question. Keeping, I, I think you use, you use data to enhance. If the answer is, do we use AI or machine learning? Yes, we use that. Like John mentioned at the beginning, talking yeah. about spam. Like, so what we do is we're looking as the data comes in. So we have, you know, now we actually have like 60,000 tokens that are part of what we're doing. You know, we upped it. We upped it from 4,000 to 60,000. Thank you, Dan. That's it. Um, and, and Emilio. Um, and we so, should have Dan on just to like have like a dream. Actually, Emilio that did that. I was about to give Dan credit. We um, should do. Okay, let's. I haven't spent time with Emilio, but, it, you know, maybe we need to have like a virtual or maybe an in-person and we try to live stream it. We need to have a session of. Dan like, will do it as an avatar, I think. Dan. He'll do it as an avatar. We've done that. We had, who was it? Have We had uh, Hoppy and, uh, God, who do we have? Hacken on, John. And he came on. Yeah, oh, like, that was the best. I came on fully avatared out. It was cool. Uh, but just to quickly answer that is, yes, we're using machine learning. So as all that data is coming in, 
we have a machine learning library that we've trained to look at uh, bullishness to bearishness, um, starting at very, very bullish, very bull, bull, neutral, um, bearish, very bearish. So it's kind of like a one to five mark there and then spam and then unrelated to crypto. Um, so as that comes in, we're trying to train things like, you know, if someone, I always use this example, but if someone says like, I got wrecked on Dogecoin and they spell wrecked R-E-K-T, that's not the like, natural language. Like people aren't going to usually yeah. spell that. And so we're trying to mark those things and understand that, hey, if you're doing giveaways, if you have a bunch of spam, like we don't want to include that into the data. And so that's how we use machine learning to help kind of train our own data to look at it. And so it's kind of like a little nascent right now based on like what is possible with machine learning, but it's a nice implementation when it comes to understanding, you know, spam and understanding kind of sentiment across the market. So that we don't know of a lot of people that have like the longevity of like this type of crypto specific library in, in, in like in ML. So pretty proud of it. Just okay. to add on one little piece of that, we do it in real time across millions of collected posts. And, and just to, you know, also connect that to your question along earlier, where are we going? Yeah. We're going real time. We're going as fast as possible in our user interface. Um, something that like, you know, like our, our ability to query data is probably the fastest in the industry right now. We are using like bleeding ed, edge backend technology, like to, to, to query all this data. And so um, I'll leave it at that. You guys, were already, you guys were already stuff. miles ahead of other sort of data products because I remember at one point kind of doing a comparison and one of these data products were offering, you know, the data for like the top 20 coins or something. You guys were already in a thousand plus coins and your data was way more complete on those thousand plus coins than those people that were doing the top 20. And those top 20 are what like those hedge funds are trading against and things like that. And their data was just shit. It was like they were trying to get to, as close to real time, but they couldn't, they weren't, you know, cleaning out the, the spam. They weren't, they weren't analyzing as many. I remember they, they said something like how many tweets per day they analyzed. And it was like a joke. Like it, it was, it was, it's, it was a vanity metric in compared they thought was a vanity metric but it was nothing compared to what you get in the early days people were pulling all of the reddit's data and calling it news like there's so much like categorization that you mm -hmm. can do on top of it that can really clean up and make it because what like a lot of like you said hedge funds they're pulling twitter data they're pulling reddit data they're doing this but they have one specific use case so like in web3 fashion like we wanted to democratize that opportunity to everyone have to have the data we didn't realize how many people were out yeah, there that would love it? Yeah, and we didn't know the use cases, but we're finding out that it's like, hey, all the projects actually use Lunar Crush to figure out like, are they making an impact? Like who are influencers that matter? Like, and this is not just crypto anymore, it's NFTs. Like NFTs now represents, like we just launched it. It's representing like six to 10% of uh, like the page views that we're getting already, um, where that was zero not too long ago. Yeah. So we're planning on growing that. I got a few texts. I, I forwarded you guys one of them of, hey, you know, because everyone's heard me talk about Lunar Crush so many times in especially in like the Tezos community of tweeting all the time. And a few people mentioned to me that Arthur Brightman, who was one of the founders of, of Tezos, was mentioning Lunar Crush and how like the social data about how great Lunar about how great Tezos was doing based on the social data and mentioning Lunar Crush is where he's getting that data. Um, and this was just on like a Tez talk dev thing that he was doing totally random, but I got texted that, that quote or a few quotes from him, like by four different people. Um, and these are the people who are the founders of the, the project. So 
I know they're watching it. Um, the communities are watching it. It's, it's really cool. I'm excited. I, I've been playing around with the um, with the NFT stuff a lot. So um, we could dive down a million other rabbit holes, but we're we're already about ten minutes uh, over time. So one last plug. Um, you know, do you guys obviously lunarcrush.com, but where, where should I point people? Yeah. I mean, lunarcrush.com at lunarcrush on Twitter is the best place to find us. Nice. Um, all right. Yeah. Lunarcrush.com at lunarcrush. Uh, go to dgh.events because we're doing all sorts of awesome things. We're going to have an LA blockchain summit in November back to real life. It's going to be crazy and a ton of fun. Um, I know that there's going to also be something we do for the top uh, ranking lunar um, uh, uh, members. What are the uh, stages called again? I'm just brain farting now. I had one. You're talking about the different levels? Yes. Yeah, yeah. the levels. Right, so, now, right now, the, the highest level is level four. Um, yeah. But that, that, could be changing, that could be changing soon by the time <laughs> potentially. Ooh. So we're going to do but something. I know the teams are working hard on the conference. I want to do something where high-ranking lunar uh, members of the of the lunar app uh, get get something awesome at LA Blockchain Summit, or or get you know a, a private hang session with John, or maybe stakes <laughs> with Dan. Some something cool. We gotta uh, we gotta do something. But um, but thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, uh, hold on, I'm just seeing that. Awesome. Uh, thank you everyone in the community for joining. And remember that if you go to meet.blockchainbooze.io, you can come and hang out, turn on your camera in a minute and hang with the community. Um, thank you everyone. Thanks, John. Thanks, Joe. Uh, love you guys. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Lon.